We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ, and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. good to be with you all. If you do have a Bible at home with you, a hard copy, or you've got another device that you're not watching the live stream on, I would invite you to turn with us to Luke chapter 6. We're continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke today, and we're going to be looking at verses 43 through 45. So just a few verses today, but these verses are jam-packed with truth about our hearts and our relationship with God and what all that looks like. And so I'm excited to spend this time with you as we look at these few verses and ask Jesus to just show us some things about us, teach us some things about who we are as human beings, what our nature is, and what we need from from God uh, in order to have hearts that are good, hearts that are trusting in him, hearts that are committed to walking with him and serving others in love. And so I would invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 43 through 45. Uh, And last week, if you weren't with us, we talked about this idea of relational generosity, which is simply this idea that Whenever we think about our relationships with others, we have to think about our relationship with God and the way that God has related to us has been incredibly generous. Instead of condemning us, instead of judging us, which he would have been just to do because of the ways in which we've rebelled against him and walked away from him, instead of that, he has this disposition of grace towards us. He has this desire that we would turn back to him. And so he extends forgiveness to us in Christ. He gives to us Christ himself. And so God is incredibly generous with us relationally, even though we have not been so with him. And so we talked about how that idea ought to shape the way that we relate to others. And so whenever we think about our relationships with those around us, whether it be our spouse and kids at home, whether it be our coworkers at work that maybe we're not so excited to see once again, or our boss, or our employees, or our friends, or the people at church with us, wherever we're at, whatever those relationships look like, Our relationship with God and his relational generosity towards us shapes and transforms the way we interact with others. And it makes us generous towards them. And so we've been talking about, uh, before that, we talked about this idea of loving your enemies that Jesus taught. And then that relational generosity, extending forgiveness and grace. And then this week, Jesus is going to talk about our hearts. He's going to talk about uh, two kinds of people. He's going to talk about good people and evil people. And you'll see that here in just a moment. And we're going to learn how to distinguish between uh, what that means, what good and evil are, and what it looks like. And so Jesus is going to teach us about all these things, but first what I want you to notice is that this passage in Luke's gospel is tied to what we just talked about last week. If you remember last week, we talked about this idea of taking the log out of your own eye before you look at the speck in your brother or sister's eye. And so the idea is is that we look at ourselves and we examine ourselves first. 
Because if we can't examine ourselves accurately, if we can't understand where we've gone astray, where we've gone awry, and what we need to do to be reconciled to God and walk with him, then we can't possibly help others with the ways that they're struggling in life. And so we've got to first look at ourselves, take the log out of our own eyes, before we ever even begin to think about looking at the speck in someone else's. And that's relational generosity. It's starting with us. It's this idea of relational intelligence, understanding ourselves first. And so when we come to this passage where Jesus is talking about our hearts today, when he's talking about good people versus evil people, the the application in Luke's gospel, when Luke gives us this passage from Jesus, when he talks about it in his context, is not primarily getting us to think about, okay, is someone else's heart good or evil, but rather, is our own good or evil? Are we fundamentally at our core, at our heart? That's what the heart is, right? It's the core of our being in scripture. It's fundamentally who we are. It's the way we operate in life, the way we relate to God, the way we relate to others is from from the heart. And so the question today is not, how do I learn from Jesus' words here whether or not someone else has a good or evil heart, but how do I learn from Jesus' words here whether my own heart is good or evil? You see, Matthew has this same teaching from Jesus in a different context, in a different message, where he is teaching us to apply it to whether or not someone's a false prophet, a false teacher that doesn't really walk with God but teaches false things that are lies. And he applies it in that context, which helps us discern some things that are going on with others around us. But Luke is trying to get us to examine our own hearts first. He's trying to get us to see something about us. And so I just wanted to kind of frame that before we read the passage this morning because our temptation is always to look at others first and say, no, you're doing something bad. No, you're an evil person. Instead of thinking, God, have I walked away from you? God, do I have something in my heart that has gone astray? So... I hope the Spirit of God will help us understand this morning as we read Jesus' words. Uh, Hopefully you've had time to turn there. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read the three verses for us, and then we'll jump into three different ideas this morning that help us understand it. Here's what Jesus says. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Would you pray with me just one more time as we ask for God's help in understanding our hearts? Father God, we are in desperate need of you. God, we need your spirit to help us now. We need you to come and and fill the places in which we sit and stand this morning, the the places in which we open your word. and, And God, I pray that wherever people are, that you would do so, that you would come into these places, that you would work in our hearts today, that you would give us an understanding, an accurate, clear understanding of our hearts. You would help us to see if we're walking with you or not. 
You would, you would expose some things in us, even if we are walking with you, that you would show us some things about ourselves and help us to walk more closely with you by your grace and your power. God, speak to us this morning through your word. Help us to understand, because as your word tells us, our hearts can be deceitful. We can deceive ourselves, and so God, we come to you for help this morning, asking that you would help us understand. We ask these things in the mighty, beautiful, redeeming name of Christ. Amen. Well, I want us to look at three ideas this morning that help us understand what Jesus is saying here in these verses about our hearts, about our actions, about who we are, really. And the first idea is simply that people are good or evil. They're either good or they're either, either evil on a fundamental level. And so that might be kind of contrary to the way that we typically think about people. But before we kind of jump into some of those ideas and explain that a little bit, I want to just talk about the idea of good and evil first. I want us to understand what are we talking about when we say good or evil? Because Jesus here, he says, he talks about two kinds of people, two kinds of persons. In verse 45, he says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. And so Jesus talks about good people and evil people here. And so if we're going to understand what Jesus is saying, we've got to understand how does the Bible define good and evil? What are good and evil? How do we understand these things? And there's all sorts of ideas about what good and evil mean and what it looks like and how we define them. But here's the best way to define good and evil, and really the only way to define it. Good and evil can only be defined by God himself, because God is the source of all that is good, right, and true. And so if we're going to start with understanding what good and evil are, we have to start with the person and character of God himself. God is the only one who can define what is good versus evil because he's the only one who has an unlimited perspective. He's the only one that's eternal. He's always been around. He's the only one who has created things out of nothing. He is the only one who can define good versus evil because he made everything. And as its creator, he gets to define it. Just like if you were to create something, if you were to create a, a piece of art or, or if you were to write a novel, you as the creator of that novel or that piece of art would get to define its meaning. You would get to define what it is and the different aspects of it and what it looks like and what it's meant to be. In the same way, God as our creator is the one who defines good versus evil, who helps us understand these things because you and I, our perspective is limited we can't possibly understand these things in the way that we need to, to live life uh, with a clear kind of understanding. We need God's help for this. Because here's the thing. If good and evil, if good's defined by you and me, then good and evil are, are nothing more than our personal opinions. If good and evil is, is defined by the majority even, the majority of people, so we say, okay, what does everybody think and what do the majority of people think is good? If we define it that way, then if good's defined by that majority, then that's nothing more than the oppression of the minority, of the people who are not in the majority group. 
if good and evil is defined by even the greatest impact. So there's this idea that we define what's good versus what's evil by saying, okay, what's going to help the most people? But the problem there is that we seek the greatest impact for the most people to the exclusion of the individual, and then the individual rarely matters. And then, so what if good is defined by science? Like, what if we could actually get down to what is good in a rock-solid way that we could test and, like, define it somehow scientifically? What if that's what defined good versus evil? Well, then, if it's just some uh, objective test in the natural world, then really the things that are, are not physical about us, the things like our desires and our thoughts, even our hopes and dreams, really don't matter when it comes to ethics, when it comes to good and evil. You see, there's all these different ways that human beings have tried to define what is good versus evil, but every time we try to define it separated from God, we fail to do so. We can't have an objective standard apart from the God who made all things. God himself has to define what is good versus evil. He's the only one who can do so. And good is defined by his very person and character. The scriptures describe God as holy. He's completely other. He's devoted to that which is good, right, and true, and never otherwise. He is always this way. He is good, and he defines Good. And so, so here's the thing. If good is defined by the person and character of God himself who, who created you and I in his image and likeness with inherent value, dignity, and worth, then here's what that means for us. It means that good is unchanging and it's understandable. We can grasp it if it's something that God reveals to us and shows us. It also means that it's good for all people, not just some, not just a certain group or a certain uh, person or, or, or group of people. It's good for all of us if God's the one who defines good and evil. And so if this is how we define good, by the very person and character of God and his will for us, his plans for us, and walking in relationship with him, then evil is to be understood as anything that's in opposition to God's character and purposes. And so evil, uh, so, so here, here's how we define good versus evil. In other words, good is defined by our relationship to God, our relationship with God, and our willingness to do his will, to carry out his purposes and plans for us. And whether or not we're going to walk in accordance with those plans and purposes. So person and character of God willingness to, to do what he's asked, and the actual carrying out of that good plan and purpose for us. That's how we define good. And then so evil is defined by our separation from God, our lack of relationship with him, our separation from him and opposition towards him and his purposes. So evil is defined by separation from God, our unwillingness to do God's will, and then uh, the fact that we refuse to do it and instead pursue our own wills to the detriment of others and the dishonoring of God himself. And so good is intimately connected with the person and character of God and our relationship to him in scripture. And evil is this, is this idea of walking away from God, rebelling against him and his good plans and purposes for us. You see, this is the thing about God. He wants good for you and I, 
Sometimes we, we tend to read the Bible in this way that when, when God gives a command, it's like he's trying to withhold something good from us, but it's not that way. Parents, you understand this. You don't want to withhold good things from your kids. Instead, you want to ha- them to have a long, healthy life filled with the best things. And so sometimes you withhold something from them in order to show them something better, in order to help them walk in something better for them. That's what God does with his law, with his commandments to us. He's out for our greatest joy. He defines good and evil. He knows how to help us walk in it, to walk with him. And so this is how we have to understand good versus evil. We can't define it, only God can. And so then when we come to our passage today and Jesus says there's good people and evil people, he says there's these two kinds of people. See, our temptation is, in our world, we wanna believe that everybody's really a good person and that sometimes people just have bad things that happen to them. And certainly that aspect is true. Like we have bad things happen to us all the time. We suffer in a broken Genesis 3 world in which sin has impacted everything. And so we experience suffering almost on a daily basis, if not daily. And so we experience difficult things. But, but the fundamental core of who we are, according to Scripture, is no longer primarily good, okay? We, we've been affected by the sin that has entered into the world since Genesis 3. It's impacted us. It's like, it's like when you take some food coloring and, and you drop a few drops into a glass of water. It permeates the entire thing. It changes it. it changes its whole color. It fills it. And so in the same way, sin has impacted us like this. Our, our decisions as, as humanity to walk away from God and his good plans and purposes for us, it has brought about this corruption of our hearts. And so that now sin just continues to draw us away from God. And our hearts have it stored up in there. And so we walk away from him and we rebel against him in different ways. And so fundamentally, at the core of of our heart, of our being, we're we're either good or evil, Jesus says. We're good people or evil people. We've either got this desire to walk with God or this desire to go our own way and rebel against him. You see, but I think so often, here's, here's this common error that I see. That's where we start, We oftentimes, with our understanding of humanity, with our understanding of our hearts, especially in kind of reformed Christian evangelical circles, we start with the the doctrine of sin, with our beliefs about sin and and depravity. You know, in in some kind of context, they, they talk about this idea of total depravity, how it's just kind of permeated every part of us and affected every part of us. And we start there with our understanding of humanity, And the problem with that is that that's not where the Bible starts. The Bible starts with creation. And then, yeah, a couple chapters in, we get to the fall and sin against God and and those things. But we can't just start here with understanding us, with saying, yeah, we're just all evil, wicked sinners. We can't just start there. We We have to look back at the beginning and understand, what did God make us to be? How did he make us? 
And so in Genesis 1 and 2, we read about how God made us in his image. He created us in his likeness to represent him in all of creation. We were to reflect who he is. So we were made to be good. And then in Genesis 3, we were made to walk with God in Genesis 1 and 2. He, he dwells with Adam and Eve. And he comes into the garden and walks among them in different parts. And then in Genesis 3, they rebel against God. They walk away from his good plans and purposes for them. They pursue their own will, their own desires. And the fall happens, and sin permeates our hearts and our world. And now, you see, here's the reason we have to start with creation, is that what I see oftentimes with people is that if we just start with understanding sin, with understanding total depravity, with understanding how sin has permeated our hearts and our world, then it's really, really hard to overcome shame. Shame ends up permeating your life because all you can see about yourself is the ways in which you've fallen short. And we don't remember the good plans and purposes of God for us. And so I see this all the time. I see people who wrestle with their salvation because they've got remaining sin that they're trying to fight against and walk away from. I see people who have had terrible things done to them and they believe about themselves, I am bad, I am dirty, I am no good, I am evil. And apart from Christ, apart from the redeeming work of Jesus, we do have evil hearts that rebel against God. But God made us to be good to walk with him. And the good news is that the story doesn't end with sin. It doesn't start with sin and it doesn't end with sin. Instead, it starts with God and it ends with God. You see, God sent a redeemer, one who is always good, who would give us a heart transplant, who would make us new once again, who would redeem us from our darkness and sin and reconcile us to God through the blood of the cross. You see, and so all these things, the, the gospel is tied up in understanding who we are and whether or not we're good or evil people. Are we walking with God in repentant faith? Are we trusting in the work of Jesus for us? Are we walking with him and pursuing his will? Or do we just continue to rebel against him and walk away from him? That's how we discern who we fundamentally are. And here's the other thing. So you, so you might say, well, Pastor Grant, can't people be both good and evil? I mean, can't people do both good things and bad things? Of course they do both good and bad things. You and I, we do both good and bad things throughout our life. You see, we do, I mean, we do good things, and then the next day maybe we struggle and we do something bad. Or even people who, you know, do mostly bad things sometimes can even do something good. And so, are people both good and bad? In a sense, sure. But Jesus, what he's doing here is he's giving us a proverbial truth, which means it's a general truth. It's a principle that helps us understand the core of who we are. So Jesus isn't saying that a good person never does anything that's bad. He's not saying that an evil person never does anything that's remotely good. 
That's not what he's saying. He's saying fundamentally at a heart level, we are either good or evil. We either desire God's goodwill and purposes and his character, or we don't. He's saying fundamentally, look at the core of who you are. Are you good or are you evil? Do you walk with God or do you rebel against him? That's what he's trying to get at here. It's, and the other thing with this idea that, that evil people could do good things, that bad people sometimes do something good, is what about motivations? We have to ask that question too, is, is why do we do the things that we do? Why does so-and-so do A, B, or C? Those motivations matter, and because sometimes uh, a bad motivation can make a good action actually evil. And so there's all these things going on in our hearts, and Jesus is going to get down to the level of our actions and our hearts. So he says there's good or evil people, and now he's going to help us understand how we discern which one we are, where we land. So here's our second point. Just like people are good or evil, people are known by good or bad fruit. They're known by good fruit or thorns. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. He says, Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And so Jesus is saying, you want to know if you're a good or an evil person, if you're good or bad, fundamentally at the core of your heart, who you are, you've got to look at your actions and words. He says, your actions, the, the words you speak, the things you do are either good or evil, and that will show you what's going on at a heart level, who you fundamentally are, the things you do, the things you say. They're a reflection of what's going on on a deeper level. So Jesus tells us to look at the fruit of a person's life, to understand whether they're good or evil. Jesus tells us to look first at the fruit of our own lives, to tell whether we are good or evil. So Jesus, he's saying, look at the whole of someone's life. What is What it most characterizes it? Are they characterized by fruit? You know, fruit is good. It it, it can be eaten and it brings nourishment and good things. Or are they characterized by thorns? Thorns are sharp and painful and they destroy and bring pain. What is someone's life primarily, primarily characterized by? Jesus, Jesus uses this analogy of, of, of plants, okay? He, he talks about trees and thorn bushes. And here's the thing about plants is that when they first start to sprout, when they first come out of the soil, all, the, all you see is that they're growing. Okay? And sometimes different plants can even look similar when they first start to come out of the ground. But then over time, what you notice is they become different. And so one may grow into a tree that produces fruit that's good and nourishing, and the other may grow up into a, a a bramble bush that constricts good plants and brings pain and thorns. You see, when plants come out of the ground, we don't always immediately know what they are. But then as they grow over time, we begin to see a fuller picture. And we begin to understand their nature. And it's the same with, with people. 
as we grow, as we look at someone's life, as we look at our own lives. That's what Luke's trying to get us to do. That's what Jesus wants us to see. So we look at our own lives. Over time, we begin to see what's the primary picture? What characterizes someone's life? Is it fruit? Is it good things of God? Or is it thorns? Is it bad things that are in rebellion against God that damage life and destroy it? What primarily characterizes your life? Sometimes it takes some time to see these kinds of patterns. But over time, we'll discern whether we're good or evil, whether that's what's primarily true of us. What, what is primarily true of you? What's most demonstrated through your actions and words? You see, one of the, one of the clearest ways that I've seen this idea play out in people's lives is is in the context of uh, an abusive marriage, an abusive home, where, where there's someone who's, who's wielding power over somebody. But then when, when they come to church, they put on this pretty face and, and things may look good for a season. But then at home or at work, you look at the person's life and you see how they, when, when someone wrongs them, they, they scream at them or they are physically violent with them, or they struggle with a, a, a sexual addiction that they're not repentant of and, and they just continue to pursue no matter who, who it hurts around them. You begin to see the fuller pattern of someone's life as you get to know them. And sometimes it's not the face they put on at church. Oftentimes it's not. And so when you look at the fruit of that person's life, at the results, at what they're producing, even if, even if the thorns don't look so, so sharp at church, even if there's this guy who's, who, who's praying and singing in church, but then at home he's yelling and screaming at his wife and kids, then that's where you begin to see the real core that person, what's happening with them, what really characterizes their life. You can't just look at one part or one piece of it. You gotta see what's the whole picture here. How can I understand what's going on? And we have to do that with our own lives. Our, our, Jesus isn't saying that the fruit you produce will, will never have a, a worm in a piece of the apple. He's also not saying that the thorns will never appear not quite as sharp. He, he's trying to get us to see what most characterizes our life, what is generally true of us, what's more fundamental to who we are. And so we have to ask ourselves, when I look at my life, what do my actions and words, what are the things I do and say tell me about my relationship with God? What do they tell other people about my relationship with God? Do they say that I'm walking closely with him or do they say that I'm going my own way, seeking my own kingdom, seeking my own purposes and desires, no matter how it harms anyone else or no matter how it dishonors God? People can put on a face in one environment sometimes, maybe even in a, in a couple, but when we really look at the whole of our lives, what does it say about us? You might just sit down and, and say, 
how do I act at home? What do I say to the people that I'm supposed to love the most? How do I, how do, I do these same things in the workplace? What about in my friendships? What about in my church community? You might just look at your whole life and say, what is the fruit? Or, or is it primarily thorns? Is it looking like the fruit of the spirit? Or, or the deeds of the flesh, the things that we walk in when we rebel against God? You might read the, the book of Galatians in chapter 5 and just kind of try and discern, are these things of the spirit most characterizing me? Or are these other things of the flesh most characterizing me? Jesus is saying, look at the fruit, look at the thorns, and and understand what is most true of you. And then here's this third idea, our final idea this morning. So we've looked at how people are good or evil. We've looked at how we tell whether we are good or evil by looking at uh, fruit and thorns. And now... We look at this idea of the heart. People's hearts are filled with either good or evil. Jesus says in verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Listen to what he says here at the end. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus is saying is what's in your heart overflows into your actions and words. What is stored up in you, it's like, it's like your heart is this treasure chest and if you flip the lid and you look at what's inside, if, when you open it, do good things flow out of it or do bad things flow out of it? What is stored up in your heart? What do you treasure? What is in there? Jesus gives us this, this analogy here to help us understand that our hearts are full of something. They're either full of good or they're full of evil. And that good or that evil springs out in our actions and words. In the NIV it says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what's your heart full of this morning? If you were to flip the lid on your heart, what would spill out? There's ways that this happens in life, right? We have to ask questions like, what is the fruit of my life? We have to look at that question we just looked at. Because when we, when we understand when, when we look at the heart, when we flip the lid, when we say, and the way we flip the lid is by looking at actions and words, is, is how do I act? What do I say? Particularly in response to maybe stressful things, things that bring fear or anger in us. How, how do we respond? What do we do? So, so we say, what kind of, of fruit do you see most in your life? Because this shows us what's in the heart, what's stored up in there. Do you regularly give in to your sexual addiction and watch pornography all the time? Regardless of how that impacts the people around you or, or the people that you're viewing? Your heart might be consumed more by lust and a love of self rather than Christ. Do you yell and scream 
at the people who wrong you. Your heart might be ruled by pride and anger more than Christ. Do you lie on your taxes, gamble, and rarely are generous with your finances to to help others? Man, your heart might be ruled by greed rather than Christ. Or is your life characterized by different things? Are you patient with your spouse and kids no matter how hard it is to get them to listen to the things you're saying? Are you generous with your money in a, in a way that's sacrificial in order to bless and help other people? Or do you turn to God when you're desperate in prayer and, and lean into his grace and ask for his help when life is hard and stressful? In the midst of a pandemic, where do you turn? What do you do? You see, we have to ask ourselves x-ray questions. That that term comes from a a, a saint who has gone on to be with the Lord, David Pallison, uh, who had this counseling ministry and this teaching ministry where he really helped people look at their hearts and understand what was going on there. And he had this idea of x-ray questions, questions we ask ourselves to understand what is going on with us at a heart level. What is stored up in there? What are our hearts full of? So we ask questions like, what do you spend most of your time on? What do you spend most of your energy on? What fills up most of your week? What, what could you not live without if it were taken from you today? What could you not live without? I think that's a question that God is kind of exposing in a lot of us right now. As we walk through this pandemic, a lot of things are, are taken from us, and we have to ask these questions. Okay, what could I not live without? It exposes what our hearts value and treasure, what is stored up in there. What do you do when you're most stressed out or afraid? Where do you run for refuge and help? See, the answer to these questions shows us what our hearts most love. And as one author put it, you are what you most love. You are what you love. What your heart desires, what your heart wants, what it's filled with is what characterizes who you are. So, so are we defined by our actions and words? No, not just our actions and words, but our actions and words, the way we respond to things demonstrate who we actually are at a heart level, at a deeper level. It shows us what's stored up in there, what has gone awry, what is in the right place, what is reconciled to God, what is walking with him. It shows us what's going on at a heart level when we look at the fruit and the thorns. So we have to ask What kind of fruit is present in our lives? And then we have to ask, what do we do when we have an evil desire or or we do something that's wrong? How do we respond? Because that question matters just as much, if not more, than, than what we've been talking about with looking at fruit and thorns. What we do when we sin matters. What we do when we want something that God doesn't want for us matters. How we respond shows us just as much about our hearts as our actions and words do. So, so whenever you're anxious, do you turn to God and trust in him? Whenever you're depressed, do you just continue to turn inward and, and, and not look to the Lord 
for hope that one day the darkness will lift. When, when you're consumed with anger, do you ask God to show you where your logs are and help you remove them so that you can interact and reconcile with the people you love? What do you do when life is hard, when things are stressful? What do you do in the midst of a pandemic? When things are stripped away, when life doesn't look like it normally does, where do you turn? How do you respond? You see, how we respond has to do with our hearts too. Because at a heart level, we will either desire to turn back to God and walk with him. Just because maybe, maybe, maybe you've done something that's really wrecked your marriage. Maybe you've not just made a mistake, but you've sinned against the people you love most. Maybe, maybe you're watching this and you're thinking, Pastor Grant, I've just done some things in my life that I'm certainly not proud of, and that I just, I just don't know. Like, I know they're not godly, and so what does that say about me? Well, here's what I want to ask you is, is what are you going to do with that? Are you going to turn to Jesus for help and redemption? Or are you going to sit in the sin Go further down that path and give in to the shame. Or are you going to turn towards Christ knowing that Jesus is in the business of heart surgery? That he can give you a total transplant if you don't know him, if you haven't yet turned to walk with God. That Jesus can give you a brand new heart, that he can replace that heart of stone that doesn't want God's ways or his will, and he can replace it with a heart of flesh that's moldable and that's soft and, and that knows him and wants his good will for your life. Are you going to turn to Jesus and ask him to give you a heart transplant, to give you a new heart, because he can do it? And if you're walking with Jesus, but you're, you're struggling in some different areas in life right now, and, and your life's most characterized by fruit, but there's, there's some, some thorns and some concerning things that you see, then what are you going to do with those things? Are you going to turn to Jesus and, and say, God, I, I need your strength. I need your grace. I need you to continue to do surgery on my heart to weed out the thorns and, and to make sure that the fruit thrives and grows. What you do in response to sin matters. And it says just as much about your heart as the sin does. What you do in response matters. And it shows you things that are fundamental about your heart. You see, good people can sometimes do bad things. But the question is, what do they do in response? Do they turn back to God and walk with him, or do they continue down the path? That's how you tell what characterizes someone's life. Are they going to turn back to God and continue to bear fruit? 
walking with God by his spirit, by his grace, or are they going to continue down their own path and continue to bear thorns that do damage and bring pain? That's how we see what's really fundamental about our hearts, what's really fundamental about our relationship with God. And so here's my question for you this morning. What kind of person are you? Who are you really? And if you're one who has not turned to God, will you turn to Christ today? Let me pray for you. God, heart work is hard work. It is really, really hard for us to examine our own hearts, and we need your help. God, for my friends at home that are struggling with whether or not they're walking with you or or whether or not they want to, God, would you work on their hearts even now? Would you begin to soften and mold their hearts? Would you begin to turn their desires and, and turn them towards you? God, would you help us when we, when we sin to turn back to you, knowing that you are a generous God that extends grace and mercy, that you give us forgiveness and cleansing in Christ, that you wipe our slate clean. God, that you're in the business of heart transplants and heart surgery. And so, God, there's things in our hearts even now that we need you to work on, that we need your help with. So, God, give us your grace. Give us your strength. Give us your wisdom. And help us to learn to examine our own hearts and to walk with you by your grace. Because we can't do it without your strength. We can't do it without your wisdom. We can't do it unless your spirit leads and guides us. So we pray that you would even now. And as we turn to you in worship, God, would you continue to mold our hearts into the image of Christ to make us more like him by the power of your spirit for the glory of your name and the good of all peoples of the earth. Would you do this work in us? And we ask it in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.